Plaza Direct King's Court starts now. East, South, and West. We welcome you in. This is the Window World King's Court. Kevin Slayton with you on this Thursday morning. Cold yesterday, man. It was like 65 the day before. Got cold yesterday. I mean, real cold. That wind was cold. 
I don't care what they said the temperature was, it was cold. And today's not going to be any better. High in the 30s today, so the wind, when the wind blows, man, it's unbelievable. But we bring you the unvarnished truth here, whether it's the weather or anything else. We're always supporting it with facts and evidence. We believe that's the way to go. And so we do so. Other places won't do that. But you're listening to this show live and exclusively live on KevinSlaytonShow.com. This is the Window World King's Court. If you're listening to something else, you're in the wrong place. Go to that loser station or loser show. Our podcast can be heard on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, Anchor, and any other place that you listen to great podcasts. And, of course, you can hear it right here on our website as well. So don't forget that. There is that. Missouri lost a basketball game last night in Arkansas. After getting off to a hot start in the game, Missouri just succumbed because they could not play defense in the second half and they could not rebound. When you can't rebound, at one point, Arkansas had doubled them in the number of rebounds. You look at that stat in almost any game, and whoever has the most usually wins. Tough loss for Missouri right after they had become a ranked team. But there's no disgrace going to Arkansas and losing. It's a good team, even though both of their top scorers are out, and they still manage to win. That was a tough one for Missouri basketball fans yesterday. But we're talking today about a number of issues. An update on DeMar Hamlin. It looks like overnight he's improved even more, according to the Bills. And that's only good stuff as he takes his time to recover. The real recovery, uh, other than his own, is going to take place in the minds and the hearts of the Bills players. Are they going to be able to play on Sunday? They're going to be thinking about their fallen teammate, and depending on where he sits on that particular day, will he be out of his medically induced coma, essentially, or will he still not know what happened? Isn't that amazing when you think about it? Here's this young man lying in a hospital bed in an ICU unit in critical condition, and he has no idea what happened. Crazy stuff. And, of course, Biden had to weigh in on the NFL, and you're going to hear that. You'll also hear him tell you how he's really, 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 really optimistic about our country, misguided though that may be. We'll hear from the major players in this Mexican standoff in the House of Representatives where 20 members of the Republican Party are standing up to 200 members. And as we get more information, we realize, and I've been a a big proponent of, let's get this done You've met with these people. There have been concessions made. Let's end it. You had four months to meet and negotiate whatever it is you wanted. That's been my position all along. We're now hearing background stuff that our research assistant discovered that explains a little bit more why those 20 are doing what they're doing and the things that they wanted in negotiation. And if you believe them, Kevin McCarthy has very smugly denied most of their requests. Now, who knows how many things they've asked that he's consented to? We don't know. One thing we do know is that they seem lock solid, in lockstep with each other, and they're not going to budge. So if this gets drawn out, it's going to hurt the Republicans. I know what they're up to. 
the 20, it seems to me that they want to reform a corrupt House of Representatives. Nothing wrong with that. The real question is, why don't the other 200 Republicans want to reform the House of Representatives? That's a scarier question because the answer might be frightening. Are those other 200 swamp rats? And they're just fine with the status quo that has not served the American public? One iota? That's the question that needs asking, but of course, the Brett Bears of this world will never ask it. But if I have someone from McCarthy's camp on, that's the question I'm going to ask. I'm going to tell them this. 20 people are standing up to 200 because they feel like Washington, D.C. is a mess. It's a rot, gut, open sore. And they're standing up. They want to change it. Why don't you? And if you say, we have changed it, we've given them what they want, tell me what you've given them, tell me what they still want. Those simple, basic questions seem to go unasked, and certainly they're not offered in totality from the 20. We're going to hear from Matt Gates. we're going to hear from Lauren Boebert this morning, and they will explain some of the desires that they had and that have been granted, Chip Roy as well. And we'll hear from that lunatic Democrat calling himself a Republican, no, not Adam Kinzinger, though we will hear from him, but Dan Crenshaw. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a Kevin McCarthy supporter, and she makes sense with her, well, with her observations, I guess it would be. Matt Taibbi will be along to discuss the latest Twitter dump that should indict criminally Adam Schiff. He should be going to jail for his demanding, demanding the Twitter censor journalists and remove them from the platform. That's illegal. He doesn't care, though. He doesn't care a bit. Have you seen the new food survey sponsored by the National Institute of Health? And in a nutshell, it tells you this. Eat sugar. Sugar is the healthiest thing you can eat. That's their theory. Does anybody believe that? No, of course not, unless you're as retardedly stupid as they are. They want you to think that a piece of cheddar cheese is less healthy than Lucky Charms or sweet potato fries. Ground beef is less healthy than Cheerios or chocolate-covered almonds. They actually want you to believe that. The founder of TrueMed will be on to discuss its insanity, to be honest with you. Complete, total, and, and of course, Pfizer's involved. Why wouldn't they be? Ron DeSantis gave a fiery speech in his inauguration speech in the government of Florida. You'll hear some of that. And we'll contrast him with Kathy Hochul, the lunatic that New York elected. Sandy Cortez actually has the nerve to say that Democrats do not, Democrats do not take money from billionaires to support their campaigns. Huh. Didn't know George Soros had lost so much money that he's not a billionaire anymore. Fascinating.
the lies that that woman tells. Zane Jeffer is an investor and entrepreneur. He will. Uh, he just got his legal passport. He is now an American citizen. And he will weigh in on the corrupt American government that he's so disappointed in already. Didn't take long from American citizen legally to looking at this government and saying, how corrupt can you be? I'll tell you, he's not corrupt. STL-Cars, you can find them at STL-Cars.com. They're in Ellisville, but you can call them or text them, 314-309-3633, 314-309-3633. And if you think buying a car is a hassle, and it always has been, if you want to bang your head against the wall, as we all have, you have to realize it doesn't have to be that way. STL dot, or excuse me, STL dash cars doesn't do it that way. You call them or text them to the number I just told you. Tell them the car that you want. Browse their website, STL dash cars.com and go through the thousands of cars they have. Tell them the price that you want to pay. They'll find that car at that price. All you have to do is pick it up and drive home or they can deliver it to you. It doesn't get any easier. I know that a lot of the blues players have used STL-Cars. They're smart. 314-309-3633. 314-309-3633. I have also bought three different cars from them. Three different cars. So give them a call. If you're in the car business, if you're in the new car business, used car, they've got them all. If you'd like to, uh, if your son is in the, the business of wanting a car, and the what your daughter, your wife in the business of wanting a car, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, steer them to STL-Cars in Ellisville. All right, let's get started, shall we? We've got a lot of ground to cover. There were reports that Kevin McCarthy was talking to Democrats about switching their votes. I hope those are inaccurate. I don't know if they're true or not. We hear so much coming out of Washington that's not true. I don't know why he would do that. If he did do that, I would then move to disqualify him as the speaker. Because there is no path forward if you're negotiating with criminals. Because the concessions they're going to demand are going to be overwhelming compared to what the Republicans are demanding of you. Now, I've said all along, I don't like McCarthy. I don't trust McCarthy. He is committed to a commitment contract with Americans, and he needs to be held to that. If he veers off course, there needs to be action taken to remove him as Speaker. There are a lot of, there's a lot of things to, uh, about him that there are – let me put it to you differently. There's a lot not to like about him. He loves voting money for Ukraine. He voted for the omnibus bill. He is resistant to rules changes, which would not allow a bill to go past 72 hours. So you put a bill on the floor, 4,000 pages, vote on it within 72 hours. That's the way it is now. I think they've gotten him to change that. But there are other things, too. And while the 
Democrats post pictures of themselves eating popcorn and watching what they consider to be a horror movie in Congress. We can always count on Wuhan Willie O'Talabiden to make a complete ass of himself the minute he opens his mouth. And he did it again yesterday while he was in Kentucky. By the way, do you know who joined him on the stage? Mumbles McConnell. So that's what happens when you elect the wrong person to leadership in your caucus. The Senate simply rubber-stamped him. The House is not doing that with McCarthy. But here was Biden telling you, because you're stupid, how great the economy is and how opportunistic, or excuse me, how optimistic you should be, because he really, 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 really is optimistic on our future. Together we're proving our best days are ahead of us. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I've been doing this a long time, folks. Our best days are ahead of us. They're not behind us. I've long said, and I mean this, I have never, ever, ever been more optimistic about America's prospects than I am today. Never, never. I've traveled over 140 countries around the world. I'll paraphrase the phrase in my own neighborhood. The rest of the countries, the world is not a patch on our genes. If we do what we want to do, we need to do. It's never been a good bet to bet against America. It's never been more true than today. I can honestly say here today, I've never been more optimistic about America's future. We just have to remember who in the hell we are. We are the United States of America, and there's nothing, 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 nothing beyond our capacity when we do it together. And I mean it. Think about it. He means it. He said he means it about two or three times. Don't you love it when he's just droning along? Uh, yeah, I've been to 140 countries, and then all of a sudden he goes, and there's nothing that we can't do. There's nothing, 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 nothing. I really, 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 really mean it this time. And he means it from the bottom of his heart. He said that. So, hey, there it is. He means it, but he not only means it, but he means it from the bottom of his heart. Huh. He reminded us why we need term limits. He said he's been doing this for a long time. He's right, 50 years. So we appreciate the reminder. What was the comparison or the analogy that he was making about a phrase that was part of his old neighborhood? Does your neighborhood have phrases? Mine didn't. We didn't have any phrases. We just ran out and played until the lamppost came on, and then we had to be home. But no one had a phrase. And by the way, his phrase, I don't know what he's talking about. It makes no sense. Our neighborhood phrase was the uh, uh, rest of the world is not a patch on our genes. What? No matter how bad it gets with the speaker debate, it could never look as bad as this blubbering buffoon looks every time he speaks yesterday he had some sort of a hat on who, who the hell knows what it was but a patch on our jeans is the rest of the world that's his neighborhood phrase he had quite some neighborhood apparently it was made up of mostly Puerto Ricans he said that before and I guess the Puerto Ricans had a phrase the rest of the world is a patch on our jeans or they're not a patch on our jeans 
God only knows what was going through that mind. A little later, he was asked about the NFL being too rough. Now, this is in light of a young man who's struggling for his life in a hospital ICU room in Cincinnati. Biden decides to somehow ignore what happened to DeMar Hamlin and talk about why the NFL is too rough. The idea that you're going to have... You got guys that are 6'8", 340 pounds, running a 4'8", 40. I mean, you know, uh, he hit somebody with that kind of force. Now, that's not what happened here. But I I just think it's, uh, I don't know how you avoid it. Avoid what? You don't know how you avoid what? What happened the other night? What happened the other night has been avoided through the entire history of the NFL. It's never happened before. Six foot eight, three hundred pound guys who run a four eight and a forty. Please show me that guy. He doesn't exist. So not only is Biden full of crap, he doesn't even know what he's talking about. But he essentially ignored the young man who's in a hospital. But Joy Behor didn't. She wanted to blame you, mega supporters of Donald Trump, for what happens in football. Heterosexual men voted the most support for kids uh, doing football. Mm-hmm. And conservatives were more likely to support youth tackle football. Just saying. Youth tackle football. Conservatives support youth tackle football. Just saying. Just saying what? Are you just saying what we've already known? You're mentally unbalanced? You're emotionally disturbed? Is that what you were just saying? Because all of those things are true, and you just validated them for us. Heterosexual men and conservative men seem to like football, those bastards. I've got news for her, because she's too illiterate to know it on her own. The the, the most prolific Part of the fan base of the NFL that has been growing for years is female. All you have to do is watch social media and you'll hear comment after comment from women about a football game. So Behor, of course, like always, has no idea what she's talking about. It makes you scratch your head and say, where'd you get these research numbers? You're an idiot. And even if they're true, is there something wrong with heterosexual men And Trump supporters liking tackle football? What does she want? Powder puff? People like her make no sense. And neither does her counterpart, Sonny Hostin-Houston, who wanted to do with her New York accent, brag about her son playing football. But listen to this analogy and tell me if you think Sonny Hostin-Houston belongs in a rubber room. My kid played football. He was recruited for college, and he got a terrible hamstring injury getting hit. And um, I saw him collapse to the ground. He realized at that point, uh uh-oh, that could happen to my brain. And so he quit. He quit because of one thing. He's a quitter. Quitters quit. Have you ever noticed that? They do. That's what they do. You're not called a quitter because you kept going. You're called a quitter because you quit. 
for her to use the analogy of an of a serious hamstring injury, whether it was or wasn't, who cares? But if let's say it's the most serious hamstring injury, you could get a terrible tear. Does any kid who tears a hamstring lie there thinking, "Wow, that could have been my brain"? When you tear a hamstring, it's almost never because you were hit. The only way you tear a hamstring by physical contact is if you're in an awkward position when you get hit. Most hamstrings tear when a guy is sprinting. So she's a lunatic. I think she made the whole story up, to be honest with you. That's how nutty she is, because none of it made any sense. You tear your hamstring, and your immediate thought is, wow, that could happen to my brain. I quit. Your brain doesn't get torn. Never does. How's your brain torn? What? Well, what happened to him, Kevin? He has a torn brain. Really? Never heard of it. I think she's full of crap. I think she made the story up. I think her son just quit because he's a quitter, and that's the way it goes. End of story. But somehow she thought that was apropos to make an analogy of a torn hamstring with a severe cardiac event. Can you imagine? Who makes that comparison? That's an analogy that belongs never to be spoken again. It's just too stupid. Well, Joe Theismann had a horrible break in his leg. Yeah, but my son injured his toe and he quit. (laughs) I do love listening to those idiots because I watch them and I think, I've got to keep watching, and I never watch the show, but I mean watch the clips. I've got to keep watching these clips before they're extinct. These people will be extinct someday. Someone's going to wake up and realize the dumbing down of America is a real thing. A real thing. That's so bizarre. What she really meant was, and before, we can't have this toxic masculinity out there. We've got to deball all men. We've got to neuter them. How dare some young men like football, you conservatives. So she's telling us that when we see Obama or Biden or any politician, any political hack at a football game, somehow that's a mirage because they're liberals and only conservative heterosexual men like football. Who knew? Is she aware that several players in the NFL who are gay have come out as being gay? Did she know that? Does she know the story of Jerry Smith right there in Washington, played for the Redskins? David Cope, who played for the 49ers? Is she aware of those people? They're gay. And they played football. They didn't just like it. They played it. And you'd be naive to think those are the only two. But these are stupid people who don't belong having a voice on anything. Stupidity is not a good trait. It's not admirable. Would anyone write on their resume under their qualifications, by the way, I'm really stupid. In Bohor and Houston Houston's case, if they happened to send out an audition tape, which is how you get hired in television, that's tantamount to writing on a resume, I'm stupid. Because you're showing it to people.
By the way, here's a tip if you are in television and you're looking for a job and you're thinking, how can I get a news director's attention? <coughs> Excuse me. Or anyone executive's attention with my tape because these guys get thousands of tapes, audition tapes. So how do you make yours stand out? A friend of mine tipped me off to it a long time ago. Send it wrapped in a Christmas package with Christmas wrapping tape around it. It will stand out like a sore thumb, and they will open it and look at it because they're thinking, all right, this guy's got something on the ball. He's different. He's creative. Let's see what he's got on tape. But they'll look at it. Stand out. Don't blend in with the crowd. That's the quickest way to poverty there is. So now we know Biden's view on the NFL, Joey Behor's view on the NFL, and Sonny Hostin Houston's view on football in particular, that if you tear your hamstring, your first thought will be, that could have been my brain. And you'll quit. But yet I haven't seen any football player at any level, professional or high school or college, tear a hamstring and say, oh my God, that could have been my brain, I quit. Not one. And I don't think her son did either. He may have quit, but it wasn't for that. So then we traverse back to Washington, D.C. Chip Roy, the Republican congressman from Texas, who's part of the dissenters, I wonder what it is that they're doing that America wants, because that's his claim. Let's ask him. We're doing exactly what the American people want us to do, being here in Washington, trying to make sure we stand up to fight for them and represent our constituents against a swamp that is basically rolling over. $1.7 trillion omnibus bills. They get no real representation. We can't offer amendments on the floor. We can't actually have participation in the process because things are cooked up in secret committees uh, in the Rules Committee, as they call it. It's a secret committee, basically, that nobody knows about that then funnels everything to the floor. And we want to be able to have a say on that. Why can't every bill that people in Congress come up with, why can't every one of them be put on the floor for a vote? Isn't that the way you thought the process worked? It's the way I thought it worked. But Chip Roy's correct. It doesn't work that way. And that's why Pelosi and Schumer have squelched any conservative ideas put forward. They haven't even allowed it to be put forward for a vote. What are you afraid of? You control both branches of Congress. What are you afraid of? Chip Roy says they've been having conversations. What are those conversations about? We're having conversations about the substance the American people want us to have. Our Democratic colleagues didn't do that at all over the last two years, right? They jammed us, jammed bills through. They didn't allow us to amend on the floor. But let's be clear. Republicans have their problems, too. And we talk about, oh, you guys just want to get in charge so you can start getting things done. you got to get them done the right way. The American people didn't send us up here to continue the status quo. So Kevin's going to have to give us the ability to constrain the swamp the same swamp that passed the $1.7 trillion bill that had 7,500 earmarks or $16 billion that didn't allow us to secure the border, that had $45 billion for Ukraine without a single vote on the floor. Okay, I understand all of Ukraine. that. I really do. No, you really don't, Brett Bear. But my question to Chip Roy would be, are you telling us that Kevin McCarthy is not allowing you to constrain the swamp? Or are you insinuating and perhaps accusing many of the Republican colleagues of yours, that they're members of the swamp. Because, by the way, that's true. They are. 
And I'm assuming that based on what he's saying, without being too specific, is that they want protections against the swamp, being able to suppress, override, whatever it is they're doing. So I can see that, but a lot of those things you're never going to get because they have to be negotiated over time, and you don't have any time. Time is the utmost right now. They've also wanted different rules changes. I'm not privy to the rules, but clearly the rules of the House are the rules of Pelosi. So whatever she did, change it. You'll have a better situation. Now, Chip Roy went on to tell Brett Baer exactly what he does want. Let me just be clear. You're, you're lumping in Kevin McCarthy with the swamp and thereby saying that former President Donald Trump in endorsing McCarthy is somehow tied to the swamp. Is that what you're saying? Well, look, you can talk, you can talk to President Trump about his endorsements. I don't really pay attention to it. All right, well, let me then keep going. Specifics. Yeah. What exactly do you want? You want, what, four out of nine uh, positions on the Rules Committee? Well, I'm not going to give you exact numbers, but I want to be able to have enough members of the Rules Committee that we can block bad bills. So okay. that could be three, that could be four, and I want to make sure that Republicans are the ones making sure that those bills get through the Rules Committee to the floor, and I want an open amendment process, and I want to be able to have the ability to make points of order on the floor if amendments aren't going to be able to be uh, you know, uh, relevant if they're not germane, etc. Now, call me naive, but didn't you think like I do that those were already present? There's a lot we don't know about how that corrupt government works. So to their credit, these dissenters are trying to change it. My, my criticism is why didn't you do it in the four months you've had, or not four months, but since the November midterms, and even before that because you knew you were going to be in the majority. Why weren't you having these discussions then? Now, many of them claim they were but I didn't hear about any of them. Matt Gates is one of the dissenters. How do you drain the swamp? But if you want to drain the swamp, you cannot put the biggest alligator in charge of the exercise. I'm a Florida man, and I know of what I speak. We offered Kevin McCarthy terms last evening that he rejected. We sought a vote in the first quarter of the 118th Congress on term limits. He refused. We wanted a budget from the Republican Study Committee that balances on the floor in the first quarter. He refused. We wanted the border plan that the Texas delegation put together on the floor. He refused. And it is true that we struggle with trust with Mr. McCarthy because time and again, his viewpoints, his positions, they shift like sands underneath you. Even Kevin McCarthy's own mentor recently said that the lies always change. And Mr. McCarthy is not only responsive to pressure from the right. Time and again, he has failed to achieve the goals that we seek on spending and on the fight. So those were specifics. Is Gates telling the truth? That's the problem here. You're hearing from both sides, but you're hearing different stories. Someone's lying. And Matt Gates, what's been going on for months now? For months we have been asking Mr. McCarthy for his battle plan. How do we ensure that we stand up for folks in the military who feel like they're being purged? How do we ensure that if there's the passage of a farm bill, it includes things like work requirements? And all we got was a handful of howdy and a mouthful of much obliged. So we do not want to be here at this moment. We would prefer to have a unity of purpose, but we will not continue to allow the uniparty to run this town without a fight. 
there's very little difference between Nancy Pelosi and her California delegation mate that seeks the gavel. And we want to change because this town is broken. And this is a person who has acknowledged in Mr. McCarthy that the town is broken. And he has been a part of that process for many years as a member of the leadership. Well, that's frightening. Again, it sounds as though the demands they've made from what they're telling us are more than reasonable. In fact, I thought those things were already in place. I knew the term limits were not. But they're, they're, they're asking for term limits. Why is McCarthy so against term limits? Marjorie Taylor Greene is a McCarthy supporter, and she's not happy with the way things have gone. She feels as though she's been lied to. As a matter of fact, I'll quote Matt Gates. He said it's exquisite. That's what he said on our conference call on Sunday. Um, but in that conference meeting there, we found out that there were several members, three in fact, that went in uh, last night and were demanding positions for themselves demanding gavel positions, demanding uh, subcommittees, demanding for people to be taken off committees and people to be put on committees. Three, three Republicans out of our 222. I want you all to know I have not done that for myself. The only thing I have done is is debate and, and, and request and argue amongst my peers for the right things for the rules package and for our agenda for the American people. And that's the only thing I've done. I haven't asked for one thing for my for myself. And I'm the only Republican that has zero committees. Now, what she said, Matt Gates described it as exquisite. She was talking about the package that was negotiated that McCarthy's side put on the table. According to her, Matt Gates called it exquisite. Then what are you fighting about? Maybe that's where this They've moved the goalpost again, keeps coming in. Matt Gates says the plan is exquisite. All right, we're all in agreement. Let's go. Is she making that up? Somebody's really telling a whopper here. I mean a whopper. This is very bizarre stuff. I think what they're most angry about is that McCarthy voted for that omnibus bill, in effect tying the hands of his own majority in the House from doing what they need to do, taking the power of the purse away from the House. And that's the that's the result of that. So he did do that. And they're not happy about that, and they keep nominating Jim Jordan Does Jim Jordan want to be the Speaker of the House? But is there any chance that you may be Speaker of the House? No, I watch yourself. Uh, No, I'm being clear. I want to. I want to. I want to chair Judiciary Committee. Um, I mean, you guys know. I like. I like this ability to cross-examine witnesses and get the get the truth for the country. So that's what I'm focused. I love seeing him do that. I don't want him to become Speaker. I want him to do what he wants to do, and that is chair that committee. He will get to the bottom of it. There will be criminal referrals, and they won't be acted on until there's a Republican president. But that's okay. They will eventually be acted on. Lauren Boebert is one of the anti-McCarthy's. Lauren, what happened on Tuesday night? 
Uh, just last night, two colleagues and myself walked into Kevin McCarthy's office and presented him a very common sense proposal, a deal that got him 218 votes, the gavel on the first ballot. And he smugly rejected that. And it was very common sense things like putting forward a border security bill, putting forward a term limits bill, having uh, a measure in place to where any member of Congress who offers an amendment to reduce the federal debt? Well, that's made in order. And there were so many other things that were common sense and even requests that he had made it us, uh, of us that we presented to him. And uh, right now, it is seeming uh, very difficult for Kevin McCarthy to come back around and pick up those votes that I had in hand for him last yeah. night. That's interesting. Again, you have to ask yourself, who's telling the truth? We don't know. There's no way we could know. And I guess they don't want to call each other a liar, but somebody's lying. Because those are two completely different descriptions as to what's going on. Newt Gingrich, a man that I respect, and I respect his knowledge and his expertise through the years. Are the dissenters blackmailing America? The 20s gotten together and decided that they can only blackmail the Republican conference. In effect, they're blackmailing the American people. Well, I disagree with Newt on this, and I have disagreed with him on every step of this. And it became obvious to me that Newt Gingrich is part of the establishment Republicans. Very many times he talks, and the, the issues he's talking about, seem very, very in line with what real conservatives want. I believe he is a real conservative. But then in a situation like this, rather than explore the desires of what these 20 actually want, he immediately writes them off as blackmailers. Sorry, I can't go along with that. The things they want, at least what we know of, don't appear to be motivated by selfishness. Term limits, for instance, that's not a selfish motive. You're hurting yourself. Now, why wouldn't someone logically want term limits based on what we've seen in this country? The Mitch McConnells, the Lindsey Grahams, the Roy Blunts, and those old codgers on the Democrat side who can't even speak, they're so damn old. Chuck Grassley on the Republican side. Do we want these 85-year-old, 88, 90-year-olds in there for 35, 40 years? No. Did Biden, should Biden have been around for 50 years? No. That should be a no-brainer for McCarthy, but he's fighting it. Now, he's fighting it because he knows it's his own political career that would be done after three terms. I would go further than three terms because three terms for a congressperson is six years. The president gets eight. Governors get eight. I think they need to change the terms from the Senate and the House. The Senate gets a six-year term. Give the Senate a, uh, either one six-year term, and that's it, or two four-year terms like the, gov the government has and the president and the governor. Same for Congress. Quit the two-year crap. As soon as they get elected, they're running for re-election. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Give them either one six-year term or two four-year terms. And be done with it. Get fresh blood in there. These people have built themselves a wall. They're insulated, and there's nothing you can do about it. Why is Pelosi around for 50 years and Schumer? 
Get out. Dan Crenshaw is a real traitor to the cause. He views people who actually want to debate something as traitors and terrorists and who are out for their own attention. This handful of members is um, uh, very clearly looking for notoriety over principle. And that's what it is. And anyone who suggests differently is um, in, in some kind of make-believe fantasy reality. It's not, it's not true. They lost those debates. That should have been the end of it because that's how a team works, right? You can hash this stuff out, you figure it out, and then you move on. But if you're a narcissist, if you're a narcissist and you believe that your opinion is so much more important than everyone else's, then you'll keep going. And you'll threaten to tear down the team for, for the benefit of the Democrats just because of your own sense of self-importance. That's exactly what's happening here. We will not vote for you while the car. These people think they're stubborn or more stubborn. They think they're not going to get the communities they want. Well, obviously they won't. But it's going to be so much worse than that. You know, they are enemies now. They have, they have made it clear that they prefer a Democrat agenda than a Republican one. That's a lie. That's just a flat-out lie. How does wanting term limits, how does wanting a border plan, how is that the Democrat agenda? Crenshaw might as well have two eye patches because he's blind to reality. He knows nothing about which he speaks, and that is a lie. Have a healthy debate. I thought that's what it was all about. You sound like a bunch of lunatic liberals. You want to shut down the debate. My criticism is the debate should have already taken place. It shouldn't be taking place at the last minute. According to Lauren Boebert, McCarthy wouldn't even listen to them until the midterms happened and the Republicans didn't get as many as they thought they would. Then he started listening. I haven't heard McCarthy dispute that, so I have to assume it's true. And if that's the case, then it's McCarthy's fault that we're here. But they needed to have this debate long ago. To shut down debate like Crenshaw wants to do is Nazi-like, and that means you should join the Democrats. Because that's really what you are. And just maybe, in, in, in addition to all of the provisions that they want concessions on, maybe the dissenters remember Kevin McCarthy taking the floor and saying this about President Trump. That doesn't mean the president is free from fault. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. These facts require immediate action by President Trump. Accept his share of responsibility. Quell the brewing unrest. And ensure President-elect Biden is able to successfully begin his term. <laughs> Our research assistant dug that up. What does he mean, ensure that Biden is able to successfully complete or begin his term? What stopped him? He began his term, all right, and on the first day he killed the pipeline. So he's the one who stopped his term from being successful from day one, as they all like to say. And Fox News needs to eliminate Steve Ducey from the building. Douchey is a danger to America. He spouts off about things he knows nothing about. He gets everything wrong. He might as well go to CNN. But he needs to be off the air. And if you want to 
look at a good sitcom, just watch Fox and Friends some morning when Douchey is speaking and spouting his insanity and his stupidity, and look at Brian Kilmeade, who's sitting on the same couch with only Ainsley Earhart in between them, and gauge the look on his face and then try to, in your own mind, conjure up what he's thinking. This morning I was watching and I thought to myself, he's thinking, you're an ass. You are such an ass. How did I get myself teamed with this nitwit? Ainsley Earhart is smart compared to Douchey. And he's a danger to America. He really is. He claimed this morning that Donald Trump had just recently endorsed McCarthy as speaker. Trump has endorsed him from the beginning. Now, you can find fault with that. You can scratch your head and say why, which is what I do. But to say that he just endorsed him is just a lie. I'm going to give Republicans some free advice. It's better when you don't lie. How how about we start there? That makes it better. It's unbelievable. So Kevin McCarthy's own words are coming back to haunt him. Now, in the midst of all of this nonsense that's taking place yesterday, I can't imagine anybody watches it. I certainly don't. Matt Taibbi was unloading some Twitter dumps that are stunning in nature that reveal how Adam Schiff went after specific journalists and virtually ordered Twitter to get rid of them on their platform. And it's a sad day, all of the revelations that Taibbi made. And keep in mind, this is a son of an NBC reporter, Mike Taibbi, who you can bet your bottom dollar is a liberal, and he admitted so in the conversation. What do you think of all this, Matt Taibbi? I think we can say pretty conclusively after looking at tens of thousands of emails over the course of these weeks that the government was in the censorship business in a huge way. Uh, That's, I think, provable now. Uh, And not just one agency, really every conceivable wing of the enforcement uh, agencies of the U.S. government were in some way or another sending moderation requests to Twitter. And in many cases, those requests were being fulfilled. And they were coming from everywhere, from every place, from the NSA to the HHS to FBI, DHS, uh, and even what they call other government agencies, which I think is code for the CIA. So we have yeah, reports from all over, from states, from police departments, everywhere. So any of your liberal friends always say, hey, Where's the evidence that the 2020 election was stolen? Well, there's the evidence right there. But on top of that evidence, we have the eye test. We know, unless you're a functioning idiot, that elections aren't halted, counting ballots aren't halted, when one candidate is way ahead in six different swing states, which just happen to be the states identified to turn the election, and then resume hours later into the middle of the night, and the other candidates always all of a sudden ahead in all six states. Does anyone believe that? I want to know if you do, because you need a rubber room, and I'll try to reserve one for you. You're insane. So that's evidence. The thousand affidavits are evidence. All of the witness testimonies, evidence. The whistleblowers. The material evidence is there. 
But if you didn't buy any of that, if you really believe that Biden got 85 million votes, the all-time record in history, more so than the darling of the liberals Obama or Clinton, then you'd have to believe this Twitter dump because these are their own words of the liberals and the FBI and the DOJ and the CIA, all of them conspiring with Twitter to end political discourse, to end the revelations in the Hunter Biden laptop, and to do all of this just prior to the 2020 election. Mark Warner, a senator, liberal senator, also had a role in the censorship. What was it, Matt Taibbi? I put pressure on them. Uh, there was an email that talked about how he was pressuring them to, quote, keep producing material for them. Uh, ultimately, Twitter ended up caving, and by the end of the year, they had an internal guidance, which I think is very significant, where they said publicly, we will only remove content at our sole discretion. Privately, we will remove content uh, that any content that's identified by the United States intelligence community as a foreign state actor conducting cyber operations. So if the intel community says we take it down, uh, we're going to take it down. So, in effect, the intel community, the law enforcement community, FBI, the Biden regime, at, at that time his campaign, all conspired like Nazis with big tech to alter the election. And you can't just say, oh, that's someone's opinion. These are all facts. These are their own texts, their own emails. It's there. And the amount of FBI agents that were working at Twitter at the time is astonishing. You cannot say it's coincidence. You can say it, I guess, but of course it would render you stupid immediately. So that's the level of corruption that's going on in our government. They are altering elections. They're doing it in the wide open spaces. All you have to do is pay attention. Big Tech is in on it. Who else? Big Pharma, I'm sure. And our votes mean nothing. Not a thing. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Kevin, good morning. I'm doing well, and I apologize for calling so soon, my friend, because you were just hitting it out of the park again. But there's about three or four things that just popped in my mind. One, with McCarthy. I, I don't want to hear them bashing these people that are allegedly fighting what they're fighting for, the points you brought up. I mean, if we're now we're going for six or seven times, McCarthy's too arrogant to resign. He should pull his name out and let's move forward. I've never heard anybody say that, have you? No. Well, I've heard some of the dissenters who said that. Lauren Boebert said that last night. But I'm talking about like the the a holes like Hannity or even Levin, even Levin. <laughs> it, it is I amazing. Mean, it really is. I never in Newt Gingrich another one. Never hear them say, "Okay, now we're going for number seven time." McCarthy, isn't it time for you to pull your name out? But no, he's too arrogant. Him and his hair gel. I don't believe he'll ever pull out. Uh, because then he's got to face the embarrassing and humiliating fact that he was the front runner going in, had 200 voters in the side, 20 against him, and he was beaten. That would be a tough one to overcome. 
Well, I'm glad they're doing what they're doing because it's about time. And, and, and again, you know, come on, President Trump. Look, you're a phenomenal businessman, but, God, you got to pick something. We lost you, Dave. Can you hear me, Kevin? No, I hear you. You, you, said, yeah. but you, you said you're a phenomenal businessman, but you've got to pick, and then you went out. And, and but, but look at the crap he always he always picks and endorses. It's horrible. Well, it is horrible. President Trump has a blind eye when it comes to those things. There's no question about that. So I'm, but I'm not as concerned with his endorsements as I am with the whole process here of what's going on. I don't Correct. care who he endorses. He could he could endorse Bozo the Clown. I don't care. None of that means much to me, except if you look at his record of endorsements, he's 220 and 20 or something like that. It's absurdly well, spectacular. But that, that, that's, but when he loses uh, one, the entire national media foams at the mouth. Oh, God, they lost because it was a Trump candidate. Well, the record speaks for itself. But in McCarthy's case, I don't understand it, given what we just played for you that McCarthy said about President Trump and the insurrection. I, I don't get the the brotherhood there. I'm at a loss. I think Trump should be treating McCarthy like he treats Mumbles. Exactly. Hey, Kevin, can I throw two other quick things out, then I'll listen off the air. One, how stupid are all these people in government to put all this stuff on paper? Because if Kevin Slayton and I are conspired to do something, I'm going to just send a text in this. Kevin, can we meet up? I'd like to have some lunch with you and chat. Right. That's it. That's that it. is it. You There's would never be- put in a text, hey, I want you to silence and muzzle journalists and hear the names that I want you to silence. You would never put that in writing, but that's how dumb they are. Julius Hunter, a longtime St. Louis news anchor man, told me when I worked yes. on the Channel 4 a very simple thing that I have never forgotten. He said, don't ever put something in writing that you don't want to read on the front page of the newspaper tomorrow. Absolutely correct. Absolutely Nothing correct. is truer than that. And then my final thought, Kevin, Do you really, and I've been thinking about this, I've been thinking about this, I just wonder if Joe Biden is actually has an illness, dementia, or if they have him playing this because eventually if it goes to trial, that this a-hole will be found not guilty by reason of mental insanity. Well, that's going to be a tough one to prove. Look, you've conducted yourself as the president for by the time this goes to trial, it would be four years. You can't all of a sudden claim you're a whack job when you insisted all along that you were not. Well, that, that that's true. I just, again, just throwing that out there. My friend, thank you very much. Apologize for counsel soon. Love the show as always. Have a great day, Kevin. No problem, Dave. Thank you. See you, buddy. Bye-bye yeah, they're good points. Um, I think President Trump should probably stay out of this mess. There is no way that he can come out looking good, no matter which side he picks. If he picks the dissenters, the establishment Republicans will turn on him. If he picks them, the dissenters are going to turn on him. He has a lot of supporters among those dissenters, by the way. Gates, Chip Roy, Lauren Boebert, they're all uh, Trump supporters. Now, last night, Brett Baer, the genius that he is, claimed to Lauren Boebert that Kevin McCarthy made sure she had the money to win her re-election in Colorado. It was very close and, in fact, required a recount, but she ended up winning. And so he said, what do you say 
about people who criticize you for accepting that money and then saying he shouldn't be speaker. And she set Brett Baer right in his tracks. He didn't give her money. He withheld money. So he made that race closer than it should have been. Same with mumbles with regard to senators all over, especially in Arizona. Blake Masters, who got no McConnell money. Eric Greitens, right here in Missouri, no McConnell money. Why is that? Because they don't rubber stamp McConnell in a position of authority. That's why. That's why. This whole thing is craziness. But we're beginning to see the reasons behind it. And the Twitter thing that the dump that Taibbi had, man, has the ACLU come to the defense of these journalists who've been who were banned? A president who was banned? What say you, Matt Taibbi? No, and that's been a profound disappointment. Um, you know, for me personally, I, I gave to the ACLU for years. I'm one of those sort of dyed-in-the-wool uh, liberals and grew up that way. I'm deeply disappointed. I think a lot of people uh, who are sort of politically on that side of the aisle um, are missing the boat on this. They don't understand the gravity of the situation. They're thinking about this in partisan terms. It's not a partisan story. This is a story about the architecture uh, of the intelligence community and law enforcement getting its hands on speech and on the ability for pe- of people to communicate with one another through platforms like Twitter and Facebook. And they're doing this in a very profound way, much more serious than I thought it w- uh, at the beginning of this story. Wow. So there is a guy who's an admitted card-carrying liberal. He rightly says this is not a partisan issue. This is an issue that should concern every American out there because government is putting its hands on speech. They're chilling speech. They're banning speech. Did you ever think you'd hear these things in this country? But they're all true. And Matt Taibbi, a liberal reporter, just told you they're true. How did he tell you that? He found out through the Twitter dump that was given to him. In fact, if you listened closely enough to what liberals were saying back then, Ed Markey from the Eastern Establishment, the senator, essentially publicly warned Twitter that if you don't obey us, there'll be consequences. The issue is not that the companies before us today are taking too many posts down. The issue is that they're leaving too many dangerous posts up. In fact, they're amplifying harmful content so that it spreads like wildfire and torches our democracy. (laughs) Torches our democracy. So, Twitter, get it down or you're in trouble. You torch the democracy, Marquis, people like you. You are a liberal freak. And then we have Ron DeSantis questioning Big Pharma, questioning the vaccines for kids, questioning the vaccines for young men who seem to be dropping at an alarming rate from heart issues after being boosted or taking the original. There was a time not too long ago when these liberals hated Big Pharma. Pfizer, the huge drug company, I want the Treasury Department to do everything it can to stop that kind of behavior and call it for what it is, gaming the tax 
system. Big Pharma shouts. They shout with their money. They shout with their promises. They shout with their lobbyists. They are determined to do whatever they can to maintain their huge profit margins, even if it means that millions of Americans are unable to afford the prescription drugs that their doctors prescribe. They are nothing more than some high-level dope dealers. Woof. High-level dope dealers. That's what Heels Up said. It's pretty amazing that they're so upset with Big Pharma. Big Pharma, by the way, is not the only one who exerts influence like that. But now if you question them, those very same liberals want to take you out and pillage you. Isn't that interesting? By the way, just so everybody knows, Pfizer did not create the vaccine. It was created by some company in Germany. So Pfizer didn't even create it. I'm telling you, the big pharma and big tech issues in this country are so important and so corrupt. So much money exchanges hands between them and candidates. Remember what Biden said and we played it for yesterday. Hey, why would you assume I'm not corrupt? It takes a lot of money to run for the Senate. Wink, wink. The donors want, want something in exchange for their money. Wink, wink. It's a pretty foregone conclusion that anyone who comes to this White House with something to peddle, meaning cash, they'll get something in return. Dr. Marty McCary, how corrupt is Pfizer? Almost every year, there is a major fine or settlement involving Pfizer. And in the pharma industry, it's almost par for the course. Now, remember, Pfizer's done some good work in producing and marketing drugs, but they actually acquire most of the technology from other inventors. In fact, the COVID vaccine was developed not by Pfizer, but by BioNTech in Germany. So if you look at the actual track record of Pfizer, they became a darling for a short period of time during the beginning of the pandemic. But before that, they paid the largest criminal fine in the history of the United States, $2.3 billion in 2009 for so-called intent to defraud and kickbacks to doctors. And it wasn't their first time. And in that uh, situation you referenced in Nigeria, they gave a drug called Trovan to about 200 children in that country. 11 of them died. Others were disabled Nigeria's authority, where, by the way, fraud is an industry there, they said that it was so-called exploitation of the ignorant and unethical. That's how bad Pfizer was in the eyes of the world. Exploitated of the ignorant. That means they're exploiting politicians. So the next time you listen to a Pfizer spokesman or spokeswoman, just start laughing at them. And you can also laugh at the CDC who's in cahoots with someone else, and they came up with this chart, the food compass score, they call it. Under this regime, food compass score, watermelon, Cheerios, non-fat chocolate frozen yogurt, notice I said non-fat, chocolate-covered almonds are all items to be encouraged in your daily diet. Those to be discouraged are eggs, cheddar cheese, ground beef. You should minimize those. And in the middle would be sweet potato fries and Lucky Charms. 
We've got two cereals mentioned on there, neither of which are to be avoided, according to these people. Neither of them. Their big thing is more sugar. Eat more sugar. Not more cowbell. They want more sugar. Everyone knows that sugar plays a major role in heart attacks, in weight gain, obesity, diabetes. Sugar is an enemy to all. Justin Maris is the founder of TrueMed. Is this study accurate? It, it's completely insane. I recently wrote about this just because the NIH funded Tufts University, and they took three years basically to do a comprehensive review of a bunch of di- the nutrient profile of a bunch of different foods. And what they came up with was, as you said, 70 name brand cereals being healthier than whole grain toast, <laughs> uh, chocolate covered almonds being three times healthier than beef, which is one of the most nutrient dense foods that we have available to us. Uh, It's just completely insane, the results of the Tufts Food Compass. It really is insane. Why? Why do do people come up with this and think anyone believes them? Do you think someone ran out and grabbed as many boxes of Cheerios they could or watermelons that they could because this study says these are things you need to be eating? Was anybody that stupid? I was at the grocery store yesterday. I didn't notice anyone running around hoarding those items. But I did notice they weren't running to the donut in the in the bakery and grabbing all the pastries they could have. They don't like sugar. The homeless people probably do. They'll do anything to eat. And guess what? They don't have to do much. The government provides them three hots a day. And there's a homeless woman who weighed in on the difficulty of being homeless. She doesn't think it is. How is it like being homeless in Portland? It's a piece of cake, really. I mean, that's why you probably got so many out here, because they feed you three meals a day. You don't have to do but stay in your tent or party. Or if you smoke a lot of dope, you can do that. It's like you wake up, you go eat a blanche, get high. Go eat a blanche for lunch, get high. Go eat dinner, get high. And that's all you do all day long, every day. Sounds like utopia. That's what that's where Americans have gone in huge numbers to this tents in streets. The government feeds them three meals a day, then they get high the rest of the day. That's their existence. Now any government official who saw that clip should be outraged and should be putting an end to feeding these people immediately. Don't give me this humanity thing. That's code for bullshit. Everybody else has to work. Why don't they? I guarantee you families in this country, millions of them, have had to cut back on their food, on everything, thanks to Biden, who claims you should be more optimistic than ever. But these people don't have to cut back. They get fed three times a day. And then they get high on dope. (laughs) Which, by the way, is probably supplied by the government. Remember, they did supply the syringes. Well, the consternation that's going on in Washington is quite a contrast to what went on in Florida. Governor DeSantis being the victor in the election and then gave his inauguration speech. And he didn't pull any punches either. Because he, Ron DeSantis, doesn't care what you think. And so you'd have to ask him, are liberal policies 
forcing people to ex- exit their particular states, blue states, and come to Florida in droves. The policies pursued by these states have sparked a mass exodus of productive Americans from these jurisdictions, with Florida serving as the most desired destination, a promised land of sanity. We reject this woke ideology. We seek normalcy, not philosophical lunacy. We will not allow reality, facts, and truth to become optional. We will never surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. Carpe 100 times DM to Governor DeSantis. Florida is where woke goes to die. They used to say about Shoeless Joe Jackson, one of the eight men out in the Black Sox scandal of 1919, his glove is where triples went to die. He could run into the gaps as a center fielder and take hits away, extra base hits away from you left and right. And Governor DeSantis is correct. Florida is the place where woke goes to die. They're not interested in it. Now that should fire up everybody in Florida. And it, it, soon it will be firing up people all across the country because I do believe he's going to run. But contrast Governor DeSantis, a real leader, with leadership skills, proper training and leadership from one of our academies, the Naval Academy, with Kathy Hochul, Hochul, whatever her name is, Hocus Pocus, up there in New York. Remember when she told New Yorkers to basically get lost, you're not really New Yorkers, and now has changed her tune. You'll hear both here. The part where she tells you to get lost and the part where she's had an epiphany. Just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong, okay? Get out of town. Get out of town. Because you don't re- you don't represent our values. You are not New Yorkers. We must and will make our state safer. We have to make our state more affordable. And New Yorkers are just struggling to pay rent, food, and gas to get to their jobs. They're hurting. And we must reverse the trend of people leaving our state in search of lower costs and opportunities elsewhere. Huh. How does she change her tune that fast? These people are such frauds. She mentioned what they need in New York, but never once said what she was going to do to bring it about. She didn't say how she was going to get people to come back to New York. She didn't say how she was going to combat crime in New York. She didn't say how she was going to make it safer for the people of New York. She didn't talk about how she was going to make it easier for those New Yorkers to have more money to buy food, she didn't mention those things. She just said, that's what we need. I need a new car, too. But if I don't save my money to buy one, I'm not going to get one. Right? Right. Right is the answer. But Hochul thinks that it just, I guess, money grows on trees, right? That's what she would say. Sandy Cortez wants you to believe that George Soros, the single major contributor to Democrat causes and candidates, is not a liberal. She also wants you to believe that Warren Buffett, another billionaire, is not a liberal because she said they don't contribute to liberal causes. All of them are bankrolled and licking billionaire boots. That's what they do because billionaires pay for their little podcasts and billionaires pay for their little YouTube channels and billionaires pay 
it, to, to fund their campaigns. And if you are doubting me, check the receipts. The left in this country is not backed by billionaires. And so it is very decentralized. It's grassroots. Grassroots. So she was saying that all of the Republicans do the bootlicking of billionaires, but the liberals are not supported by billionaires. All grassroots. Explain George Soros getting you elected now a couple of times, because that's how you got elected, was George Soros. Explain all the money that Warren Buffett contributes to the Democrat Party candidates' causes if liberals aren't supported by billionaires. There's nothing wrong with a billionaire supporting you, by the way. She acts like it is, and yet she is supported by a billionaire. Is that incredible? I think it is. No one can lie like that woman can, but no one calls her on it either, except on this show. We call out the liars every day. But of all people to say that the left aren't controlled by billionaires, the woman who owes her very political career to a billionaire, a liberal billionaire, this is just one more example of her rampant and outrageous insanity. The woman is a lunatic. Absolutely a lunatic. Ronna McDaniel, the erstwhile head of the Republican National Committee, she's going to get booted out, by the way, but she's making the most of her final months on the job, running around talking about the things that uh, Republicans have done wrong, these people in the House, the very people that we were talking about, the dissenters, Carolyn Wren is the campaign manager, was the senior advisor for Carrie Lake. I don't know if she still is. She has a response to Ronna McDaniel. No, it's probably why she should be running a Girl Scouts organization in Michigan and not the Republican National Committee. And watching Fox News yesterday was the most tone-deaf thing I've ever seen. I mean, all day they were switching commentary between Ronna McDaniel and then let's bring in Carl Rove next and hear what he has to say. And it's, it's just, it is ridiculous to even have to watch it. But, you know, Rana was on there all day claiming that the representatives who refused to coalesce behind McCarthy for speaker make the Republican Party look bad. Like, no, Rana, what makes the Republican Party look bad is you as RNC chair oversaw five election, five years of election losses in the House, Senate, and presidency. That makes us look bad. Carpe diem to Caroline Wren. She's so correct. Ronald McDaniel needs to go. Anyone related to Mittens Romney needs to go, including him. It's absurd. And then we've got this guy with three names, this crypto king, who's, by the way, he was another billionaire giving money to Democrats. Zare Jeffer is an investor and an entrepreneur who just became a citizen. So Zane, I'm sorry, I said Sarah, Zane Jeffer. And he can't believe his eyes with regard to accountability among criminal politicians. You know, this is a case that shows you if you walk into the White House with a backpack of cash, you can buy power, you can buy influence. This is a scandal. This is crime, corruption on epic scale. What really shocks me, though, is that it sounds like I'm describing a third world dictatorship regime where you can walk in and push rules and regulations to expand your criminal enterprise. 
We're talking about the U.S. here. Then I, I just got my U.S. passport recently. I'm proud to call myself an American now, but I am disgusted at seeing how little accountability there are with these politicians. Yeah, welcome to the United States. Little accountability, I would say zero accountability. Zero. Now, what do we always tell you on this show when these politicians vacate their office at an early term, they're looking to either become a lobbyist or some kind of a talking bobblehead on television. So that's what Adam Kinzinger decided to do. And yesterday he was officially welcomed to the team at CNN. Have you ever believed more than you do now that Kinzinger was always a Democrat? He was planted by the Democrat Party in what was a Republican jurisdiction. And they knew he'd win. And then he followed up with the Democrat policies in Washington. And now he is appearing on CNN, courtesy of their bosses. They think they got a coup here. And he was introduced and congratulated last night. And he's appearing tonight for the first time in his new role, which is senior political commentator and congressman. We really are thrilled to have you on board. So welcome. Uh, welcome. People have seen you over the past, of course, couple years with the January 6th committee. And uh, we're, we're so glad to have you on board. Um so it's great yeah. to be on the team, by the way. Thank you. I'm yeah. excited. It's great to be on the team, by the way. You've been on their team for a long time. You're on their team when you were in Congress. You're on their team when you were part of that illegal committee. Why does he never mention that he was serving on an illegal committee? Because he's one of them. That's why he didn't balk at all about being chosen illegally to be on that committee. Why did he think he was handpicked? Because he would deliver the goods. Why does Liz Cheney not think that she was hand? Well, that, why does she think that she was handpicked? Because they think she'll deliver the goods. But the goods being the liberal point of view. It is a bit ironic that Dick Cheney, her bumbling idiot for a dad, who issued a blanket indictment of President Trump with nothing to back it up. Why is she seventeen grand in trouble? or 17 million, or whatever it is. She is the same kind of woman that Kinzinger is as a guy. She sold her soul to the liberals. On its face, that's frightening. Why would anyone do that? But they have. And to hear Kinzinger on CNN, it just grates on me to hear his voice no matter where he is. But now... If you haven't noticed, these liberal outposts will grease the skids for these politicians, even Republican politicians, when they get out of there, so long as you adopt their liberal agenda. Cheney and Kinzinger have both done that. Alyssa Farrah Griffin did that. She wasn't at their level. She was a White House staffer under Donald Trump, but now she's part of The View. And then she had the nerve to accuse Kayleigh McEnany of plotting out a post-White House career. (laughs) First of all, that's what smart people do. Politicians have to plot out a post-political life. Although, if they're in long enough, they can milk the system and the donors for every penny they can and be financially independent. It was never accepted, never considered that Financial independence will be part of service to Washington, service in our country. 
But there it is. It happens every day. No one with a functioning brain should put up with it. But we do. We do. Here's something else we do. We enjoy Taco Bell. We enjoy supporting the locally owned and operated Taco Bell locations. They have a grilled breakfast burrito with bacon bits on their dollar crave menu for breakfast. They have a double stuffed taco and a grande burrito on their dollar crave menu. By the way, all of these items are good any time of day. Morning, lunch, dinner, late night. The breakfast quesadilla. You've got the 2 a.m. crunch wraps. They're both under $3. The quesadilla is under $2. There's a $5 crave menu, too. You get a lot more food on that for 5 bucks. They're always innovating at Taco Bell, and they're always bringing back their more popular items, like the Mexican pizza, which is back right now. I mentioned I support locally owned and operated businesses. Same thing with Taco Bell. Here's where they are in our area. In Missouri, they're in Chesterfields Valley, Jackson, Union, Cape Girardeau, St. Clair, Washington. In Illinois, they're in Waterloo. The Springfield location has the governor there probably quite often eating them out of house and home. Decatur, Salem, Jerseyville, Carbondale, Troy, DuCoin, and the newest, well, not newest, but the final one in Illinois, Taco Bell location owned and operated locally, is in Columbia, the home of Ann Breyer Golf Club. Golfers know where that is, and the Taco Bell is right down the street from where you turn by the insurance agent. That's how I always mark it off. Landmarks. Landmarks, Kevin. Landmarks. So we'll take a break, and when we come back, we will entertain your phone calls. The number, as you know, 636-538-0746. Well, you never heard Had a juvenile, California's full of 
Kevin Slayton with you in the Window World Kings Court. Window World Kings Court right here on KevinSlaytonShow.com. I hope you're enjoying your Thursday morning as the weekend approaches. A little chilly out today. The weather's going to be a little bit bouncy the next few days, if they're accurate. But it doesn't look like any snow in the forecast, so that's good. For most people, for me, uh, it's sad. I want some snow. I'm jealous of the places that have it. Our phone lines are open, 636-538-0746. Have you noticed uh, how the media has made certain that no one sees or knows about these cardiac events in the lives of young male athletes? We saw the big one on Monday night because it was on Monday Night Football. In order to believe the reasoning given so far, though no doctor has given an official reason for this event, but in order to believe the one that's the most speculated is this. Somehow or another, at exactly the right moment, with exactly the right force, in exactly the right spot, DeMar Hamlin was struck by T. Higgins' helmet, causing his heart to go into arrhythmia and to essentially have cardiac arrest and die on the field only to be resuscitated. It happened again, repeated itself when they got to the hospital and he was resuscitated again. So in order to believe that you have to believe something that has probably 10 billion to one odds more likely in my, in my mind, and I'm no doctor, but I just use common sense 
And the facts, the facts are he's been vaccinated. The facts are he was boosted 10 days prior to that. The facts are young men, athletes, are dropping dead from myocarditis left and right. The facts are that if this 10 billion to one shot occurred, according to cardiologists, he wouldn't have gotten back up. He would have stayed down. But he did get back up, and then he collapsed a few seconds later. But it's a very scary set of numbers as these young professional athletes are dropping, many of them dying, after being vaccinated. Why is that? No one's going to tell us because the government wants to ignore it. They absolutely want to ignore it. Since, well, let's just go back in time a little bit. 1966 to 2004, 1,101 sudden deaths occurred in athletes under 35 years old. 1,101 from 66 to 2004, that's 38 years. 38 years. Now, that's in athletes under 35. That's an average of 29 athletes per year suffering a sudden death. The sports with the highest incidence were soccer and basketball, which is interesting. And now sudden death in athletes from 1980 to 2006 in 38 different sports identified 1,866 deaths of athletes with cardiac disease, cardiomyopathy being the main culprit. 2005 to 2006, 66 deaths per year, 82% of those in competition or in training. In just the last two years, cardiac disease has not even been mentioned But the studies have shown that there were 66 deaths per year and 89 have report been reported since January, excuse me, yeah, in January of this year. We're not even a week, not even a week into the year. We've already gone well beyond the average for years. That's unbelievable. There are 39 new reports since December 9th of this year, and that's what the numbers show. Kevin is with us. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? Kevin, I'm I'm doing okay. I think our country's not. But, uh, no, it's not. I wanted to wish you a, a, a happy new year. Carpe diem. Haven't talked to you since last year. Carpe diem to you and a happy new year to you. Thank you, sir. I hope your uh, your um, Christmas was merry and I hope your holidays were happy. <laughs> they actually were. Uh, and Christmas, as always, was spectacular. It's never a bad Christmas in the Slayton House. That's good. That That's that's a good thing. We, we had the humbled honor of serving at our church all day, four services in a row, and um, that's, a, that's a blessing that we were able to do that because we know that uh, – Christ is the first word in Christmas. Yes, it is, but they don't want you to know that. 
Exactly. Hey, uh, I call in about one main issue, but since you were just talking about um, the football player issue right right before you brought me on, I just want to comment on this. You were talking about the, the shot and everything. Um, you know, you played those clips a little bit ago of all those Democrats that were apparently calling big pharma, big bad, you know, the big bad people. But see, it, it's it's all fun and games for them until those pharmacy companies give them millions of dollars. Oh, then I'll change my tune. So we know where the pay where the payola is. No question. You know, so it, and I think that's even on the Republican side. It's all, it's all fun and games until you pay me a bunch of money. And I think the one congressman or congressman elect yesterday had it right when he was speaking, and he was saying Washington is broken. It's broken. The people don't want it. Okay, and I'm going to then segue into the Kevin McCarthy thing from that because it is broken. And McCarthy's part of the broken mess. And so they're talking about these 20 disruptors, these, as Crenshaw says, these 20 terrorists. I wish we had 40 of them, 50 of them, okay? Because one guy stopped Washington. His name was Trump. We got 20 people here trying to do it, and the Republicans are turning against them. So here's the thing with McCarthy. I don't trust him for nothing. I call him Minnie Mitch. Yeah, he really is in many ways. He's a slickster with his hair slicked back and everything from California. I've never liked him. I've made that obviously on my show. My point about all of this is in order to get some, uh, some objectives accomplished that you set out to do, these negotiations should have been taking place a long time ago. Lauren Boebert claims that Matt Gates said they've been negotiating for months. Well, I don't believe they were negotiating in any urgent manner for months. Otherwise it would have been accomplished, but they all say that, that McCarthy didn't take them seriously until the midterms were over. Yeah, and, and I believe that. And, and I don't trust him because uh, you always like to speak in facts, and, and, and I do too. So here's some weird facts about McCarthy, okay? One, he's from California, so you got to be a little leery of a Republican coming out of California, although I was, I'm a huge Ronald Reagan fan, don't get me wrong. But you got to be leery of that. But he's married and got two kids, but he lives with Frank Luntz in Washington, D.C. If he doesn't make enough money to have his own place, what's up with that? Yeah, everybody else does. Everybody yeah, else shakes down AOC the lobbyists. <laughs> There's no question he does. It's a weird, weird dynamic. There isn't any doubt about that. And, and Frank Luntz, by the way, is a weird for... character, so anybody who stays with him is on the suspect list. Well, and Luntz says they've been friends since they were young kids or whatever. I mean, I get all that, I mean, you're friends, but it's just weird that McCarthy, you want to be Speaker of the House, but you're living with this dude. And then I'm flipping channels yesterday, and who's on CNN talking about this? About McCarthy and all this, Frank Luntz on CNN. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so McCarthy wants to be speaker, but the dude you live with is going on CNN? I, I, I don't get it. I, I just don't trust McCarthy in this, and I'm glad these 20 people are speaking up because that's what needs to happen. Well, and, they don't they don't trust him either, and they've made it clear, at least from what they're saying. Now, rhetoric is always different than actions. But to this point, they're saying basically step down. If you don't step down, you'll never get our support. If he never gets their support, uh, God only knows what's going to happen. And, and Kevin, one one point is that they want is they want it to be uh, what it used to be for decades, that one House member can call a vote to kick the Speaker out. Pelosi's the one that changed it to five, okay? She changed it to five. They're asking McCarthy to change it back. Well, he doesn't want to do it because he knows if he does get voted in, it just takes one of them to speak up, and they'll have a vote to kick him out, 
which will hold him accountable to do the right thing. And he knows, oh, if I get caught doing the wrong thing or I take lobbyist money or I put a bill through they don't want, they're going to call to vote me out because one can do that. Well, of course, that's where the impasse is, in my opinion. Sure. That's the, that's the biggest one. I think so, too. I've heard them talk about other things that they've uh, negotiated for, and apparently he's granted them. But that mm-hmm. one is a stickler, and I don't think he's going to yield on that, although he should because it was Pelosi's rule. Any rules Pelosi made, he should rescind. But he won't because yeah. of the very reason that you identified. And another thing, if I can finish with this, is looking at the voting numbers, okay? Well, first off, the Democrats cracking up yesterday. A guy gets up and on the last vote. I, I, I went and watched, watched the video of it, and he – nominates Hakeem Jeffries again. He said, who's gotten more votes than Kevin McCarthy in every vote? Well, yeah, duh, but that doesn't make any sense. Of course he got more votes because we got an impasse here. So, I mean, they use it for fodder. And then, they're, you know, Democrats are walking in with popcorn and, you know, in a blanket. And the one congresswoman from Florida who's actually supporting McCarthy, but she did call them out on that yesterday. And they started hooting and hollering. And the lady had to slam the gavel that's up there as the whoever she is, you know, to calm them down. And it's, it's just a joke. But yeah, the it really Democrats is a joke. Saying, the, the best so the, part, the best part is when somebody rises and nominates uh, people that have already said they don't want it, and then they all start screaming and clapping. I'm like, shut the f up! What well, is this Democrats, dog and pony show? The Democrats are on TV saying that the Republicans are making a farce of Congress and Congress and this and that. But Ted Lieu walks in with a bag of popcorn. Okay, you hypocrite. Well, how about the guy yeah. who had the chicken, the Kentucky Fried Chicken, the one time during a hearing? I mean, the people that have made a farce of Congress have been the Democrats forever. They are hypocritical. They are frauds. They are liars, blatant liars. They're criminals, and they don't care about American people. They don't care. Well, they hate this country. And in, the, and in the first couple of votes, the Democrats get up and had to do their speech about why they're voting for Hakeem and with the, the great people of this. And uh, Clyburn gets up and says, I'm, vo- I'm voting for Hakeem on behalf of all the people that built this building we're in. Well, okay, you know, it's like, it's ridiculous. But here's where I want to finish with the numbers. I was listening to Bongino, and he he, he was talking about the voting numbers, and, 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 and I hope people are paying attention to this. Why does McCarthy need 218 votes? Well, that's the majority. Well, if a person votes present, that reduces that number down, okay, because a present vote doesn't count in the majority. So one person has done that twice now. One, I can't remember what congresswoman she is. But if I think it's eight or nine would vote present, it would move that number down enough that Jeffries could feasibly win. So I see a negotiating tactic from the other way from the McCarthy side saying, hey, we can get enough people that can go present here and Jeffries would get in. So do you 20 want to stop now? I mean, I can see some hardball being played there, but it is a numbers game. And if too many start voting present, watch that next vote today or whenever they do it see if more than one person votes present because that could be a sign that they're, they're they're playing the game there but that's what's going to affect the ultimate number um if too many people vote present i can't see mccarthy's gang doing that because they'll be yielding power to democrats and they would forever be blackballed for the rest of history in the Republican Party. So I don't see them doing that. Oh, I don't see them doing it, but I can see them getting six people to do it or whatever. So when a vote happens, then they then the press will go nuts, everybody will go nuts, and they can go, see, this is what you're causing, and yeah, try but, to get them to back But it's not, a, it's not a realistic occurrence. It's not going to oh, happen. No. So it's the, the, not, but it, it is not, a fact. It would not help the negotiations at all because yeah, yeah. nobody take, would take it seriously. And, and, Kevin, I'll finish with this. Please, people listening to Kevin's show live now, on the podcast, please spread the word to other people to listen to this show. Please spread the word to look at Tucker Carlson's program, because I think he's the only sane one left on Fox 
when it comes to this. I like Gutfeld, but you know that's a different type of show. But Kevin, people aren't paying attention. In the last two days, I've talked to people out in the public. I deal with the public a lot, and I just said, "Hey, do you see what's going on?" And they're like, "What?" You know, and I tell them, and they're like, "Well, I didn't know that." And I'm like, "Well, you're not paying attention." I think the majority of the country wants closed borders, wants the budget, wants all these things, but they're not paying attention. The majority's not even paying attention. I'm like, dude, turn on Fox News. Listen to Kevin Slayton show, you know, or, or Fox News on Tucker Carlson. Listen to these people. You guys aren't paying attention. You're out there working and you're playing your games and you come home and you play on on Netflix watching a movie, but pay attention. I think that's the biggest part. So many people I've talked to in the last two days said, there's a vote going on for Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy, who? And I'm like, really, people? And these are Republican conservative people I'm talking to. And I'm like, how can you be so misinformed but then complain? Well, they're politicians. That's how. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Well, and, Kevin, and- God bless you, brother. I look forward to talking to you uh, in the new year here. Uh, keep it up. And again, folks, share Kevin's show, please. Thank <laughs> so, you. I appreciate it, Kevin. God bless you, brother. Have a blessed day. Back at you. Thank you. Yeah, when you're when you're when your friends are, are, are that uninitiated, it's difficult to deal with them and it's difficult to talk to them. I find the same thing happening with people that I know, and some of them are Republicans. Uh, I don't talk to anybody who's a liberal. I refuse. I you know the best way to make your life happier is to stay away from idiots. So that's I, f- I follow that philosophy with who I talk to and who I don't. But it doesn't make much sense to me that people are that intellectually lazy. It just doesn't. Don't you at least want to? Basic knowledge of what's going on? I mean, do they even know that there's a debate going on for the speaker? Do they even know who the speaker would be or what it is? I don't think a lot of people do. If you say to someone, what, what is the speaker? They they may or may not know the speaker of the house is what you're talking about. But they'll never know the role of the speaker. Never. And that's really a sad commentary on our education system. What isn't? These days, it's just incredible. Here's a quote that I wanted to read to you, though. This is from George Orwell, the great George Orwell in 1984, the book. Now, you tell me if this doesn't ring true. Some people are incredibly talented at seeing the future. Here's what he wrote in his book. Every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. That's some stunning stuff, isn't it, George Orwell? Stunning to me. That's for certain. Wow. It really is. McCarthy is part of the World Economic Forum, by the way, in case you didn't know. Our research assistant found that. Now, what's the World Economic Forum? Those are the global elitists. There's a lot of Republicans involved in that. Those are the frauds. Look, I've said it all along. I don't trust McCarthy. I don't like him. But unless you had someone else poised to take over or poised to at least compete with him in the votes, 
all of this is just a waste of time. Hopefully they get the concessions they want. They're not going to get term limits. Do you hold out over term limits? I don't know. Probably not. Not at this point. I think it's more important that the Republicans get on with their business than it is to hold out over term limits. Our phone lines are open 636-538-0746. If you'd like to weigh in on any of the topics. But that is my take on that, is that I understand the objections to McCarthy. I get all of it. I'm happy that Republicans recognize the status of Congress and want to fix it, at least in some small ways, that might actually produce big results. Term limits would produce huge results. And the only time you're going to get that in is in a Republican Congress, and yet the Republicans don't want it either because they are the very swamp rats that the Democrats are. I don't think you would ever get enough votes on term limits to make it actually happen. So I don't think they should hang their hat on term limits either. Don't let that be a deal breaker. Because even if you get McCarthy's yes, and for that matter, McCarthy's kind of stupid, I would say, of course, we'll, we'll bring term limits to the floor, and it will get voted down. And then McCarthy can say, I told you so. This is what we delayed over. He's not a very smart, shrewd politician himself. Because that would be the way to handle term limits. Sure, we'll give you term limits. What else do you want? Never going to happen. You want Santa Claus? Yeah, we'll give you Santa Claus. Easter Bunny? Done. But there are a lot of real things that they're talking about as well. The problem I have also, though, is when I hear Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates talking about we want a, a, a vote on how to straighten the border out. Well, McCarthy's already identified that in his commitment to America. So stop with that redundant nonsense. Let's get real issues out in front. Let's get those resolved. Some of that stuff on the floor. Those things are a little bizarre. Those rules. I mean, it's hard to understand all the rules of Congress. That's the strange part. But it's not just McCarthy that is a guy who is an establishment Republican. Excuse me. Yeah, an establishment Republican in this particular house. There's 200 of them, it sounds like. Or at least there's 200 who would rather get it done and move on. So it's not McCarthy who would have the real power because he's backed by 200 people. That's what would give him the power. The part that troubles me is, and I guess it shouldn't trouble me because it's helping us identify, these are the fissures in the Republican Party. There's nothing embarrassing about them, but it's troubling that there's only 20 who feel like action needs to be taken regarding the way the rules are. This should have been a negotiated item months ago by all 220 of them. But it isn't, obviously. And if it was negotiated, then 200 of them said no to it. And if 200 of them said no to it, that means they're okay with the status quo. So I will continue to take the position, let's get it done. Whatever that means, get it done. 
And if that means you've got to concede on some of these things that you don't want to, McCarthy, do it. Especially those rules procedures. Those are Pelosi's. So if you're telling the world that you want to adopt what Pelosi did, then just say it. Say it publicly, because then constituents all over the country will pressure their congressmen and women to vote against you. But that's what you are saying, and Matt Gates and Boebert should let that be known. He wants to keep Nancy Pelosi's rules in order. If that's the case, it's time to let the American people know so that they can pressure people. You'd be surprised if, if in enough numbers people would call the office of one of these political hacks from Missouri, they would start paying attention. I don't know if you saw the nomination of Byron Donalds, a black member of Congress from Florida. Uh, that was equally stupid because he has said he doesn't want it. But when his his name was put into nomination, that incurred a tweet from the ultimate racist Cori Bush, who has forever embarrassed St. Louis and the state of Missouri. She tweets out, Byron Donalds is not an historic candidate. Well, she said a historic. It should be an historic candidate for speaker. He is a prop. You find this a lot with black liberals. When it comes to a black conservative, they start calling them names. Uncle Tom, she might as well say. Despite being black, he supports a policy agenda intent on upholding and perpetuating white supremacy. His name being in the mix is not progress. It's pathetic. I've heard Byron Donald speak. I've thought him to be a pretty intelligent guy. I've never heard him once say anything about race in terms of, I support white supremacy. Well, the problem with people like Cory Bush is they're talking about something that doesn't exist. And they make it sound as though that's a mainstream issue. But she can't stand that Byron Donalds could possibly be the first black speaker. Oh, my God. No, I want to be that, says Cory Bush. She's essentially accusing Byron Donalds of donning a, a robe and a hood. She's the most embarrassing politician. No, she's not even a politician. She's the most ex- embarrassing activist that has ever been elected to public office from Missouri. We've had our share of scoundrels, criminals, crooks, liars, thieves, cheats. She embodies all of that. And to top it off, to put the tie the, the, the bow on top of the gift, she's a blatant racist. And yet there she is having the nerve to call out, Byron Donalds? Really? It's a little strange. I wonder if Hakeem Jeffries is a prop, as our research assistant points out. After all, Hakeem Jeffries is your guy. No, he he can't be a prop. He's a liberal. In my opinion, they're all props in a nutshell. This is nuts. I would vote for Matt Gates in a heartbeat. And I would vote for some people who are supporters of McCarthy. I don't know why they're supporters of him. I probably have to know that. If you tell me you're a supporter of McCarthy because he'll work with the Democrats, and I say, shame on you. 
If you tell me you're a supporter of McCarthy because of his commitment to America that he identified, then I'll say, okay, I'm with you. But here's what we have to do. We have to make him accountable to that. And that's one of the things, one of the rules changes they want to invoke is that one person could stop his agenda. Right now it's five. As one of our callers said before, it always had been one until Pelosi changed it so that she couldn't get booted out. Let it go back to one. If you're going to do your job, why are you afraid? It's incredible. It's not embarrassing. It's simply incredible. It's just like when you're a kid and you know the date of your final exam way ahead of time. And you take no steps to study for it until the night before. That's exactly what's going on here. Now, they claim they've been negotiating and they've gotten some concessions. Well, tell us exactly what you don't have that you want. I haven't heard that. I've heard Lauren Boebert. I've heard Matt Gates talk about things they want. Well, from all information that we've been able to see, they've gotten those things except for term limits and except for the one vote that could derail McCarthy. Other than that, I don't hear of anything they don't have. I think those are important things. But you're not going to get everything. Compromise on one of the two. If I were the dissenters, I would not be putting term limits up there so highly. And if I were McCarthy's side, I would accept that. It's never going to pass. You'll be safe. Whoever advises these people isn't very bright. To me, it's a pretty obvious solution. And it could be done over a pizza. That's going to wrap us for today, folks. We thank you for helping us fight the good fight right here in the Window World King's Court on KevinSlaytonShow.com. We're back tomorrow fighting that same good fight for you. You can listen to our podcast on Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, and others. But we're live here on KevinSlaytonShow.com every Monday through Friday. Our podcast will be up on our website as well. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everybody. (laughs) 